listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 You know, Lakers are king, baby. Colin taught us. You just lead with the lead. It's got to be LeBron. And to me, I want to start to focus on is there a problem? This is the favorite right now still. If you look at the title odds today, after all the negativity you want to say about LeBron and so far, Lakers are the favorite to win the title, plus 250, two and a half to one. Milwaukee plus 275. Clippers plus 325. No other team better than 13 to one. That's Houston. So Lakers are the favorite. But some people think Lakers are in trouble. Yeah, and last night it was an ugly loss for the Lakers. 105-106, they go down to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Lakers now will be without LeBron James later tonight, 9 Eastern time. He's sitting out with a sore groin as they take on those Houston Rockets. Maybe let's start with him sitting out. One thing we do in Vegas is we quantify how valuable players are with numbers. And we've got the numbers for LeBron And they actually are a little different than historically with LeBron. So, when LeBron was expected to play, Lakers were favored by one and a half points against the Rockets. Right there, though, if you think about it, Jonas, with LeBron, with AD, only favored on a neutral court by one and a half, that means they think the Lakers are a smidge better, just a smidge better than the Rockets. I think it's a sign what we uncovered and all the listeners benefited from yesterday, that the Lakers are not motivated. OKC, that line was built upon the assumption that the Lakers were motivated. We saw they weren't. And even before LeBron decided to sit, they said Lakers only a little bit better than the Rockets. That's surprising, don't you think? Yeah, and I wonder if this was just sort of in the middle of people handicapping this stuff, looking at it and saying, okay, well, we uh, were way off the time before, so maybe let's overcorrect all the way the other side and now set this line to where it's at. It just, we see the game to game lines move, but as you pointed out, the title odds aren't moving, which is a little interesting. Which kind of, in a way, is an indictment of the entire eight games. Right, because right. the Clippers obviously haven't looked great in different spots. Their odds have stayed the same. Milwaukee had the worst upset against them in 25 NBA seasons. Yeah, their odds are pretty much the same. We're ignoring Vegas is ignoring the results pretty much, but they are acknowledging in the remainder of these games how hard are these teams playing? Lakers, big question mark. By the way. So, with LeBron, they were favored by one and a half over the Rockets. Without LeBron, Rockets by three and a half. Now, if you did some simple math, you're going to think, huh, I, I remember number lines. That's five-point adjustment. But it's not. When you go from minus one to pick him, it's only one tick. There is no minus a half. Then you go from pick him to minus one again, it's one tick. So, really, from one to one is just one point. So, if you adjust for that, it's only a... Four-point adjustment is being made for LeBron. Historically, LeBron has been worth six points. Is this the market saying, you know, LeBron isn't as good as he used to be? I don't think so. I think what it is is the market saying, even if LeBron played, we weren't going to get full LeBron, so his absence isn't as impactful. It still moves the needle, but not as much. Proof positive, it seems, Jonas, that LeBron hasn't been playing hard. 
Yeah, he hasn't been playing hard. And it's funny now that you mention it and you rattle off. Who are the who are the title favorites again around the NBA? So, so Lakers number one. Yeah. Uh, Bucks number two. Clippers number three. So all three teams aren't playing well at all during the restart. And still all three teams are the favorites to win the NBA championship. And, and the odds haven't moved one yeah. iota. Like if you sat back and said, hmm, you know something, I think the Lakers, they've looked bad. I believe it's not really legitimately true. I'm going to jump in and take advantage. Let me see. What were the odds a week ago, 10 days ago? Oh, okay. They were plus 210. Today, plus 210. Yeah. <laughs> no change. I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas. Here's the question. Is it warranted, though, no downgrade for the Lakers? Let's look at Toronto-Laker matchup on Saturday. Lakers had the third worst offensive performance efficiency-wise of the entire season. Then we talked about Toronto yesterday. The worst offensive performance efficiency-wise for the Lakers the entire season. So, of the last three games, they've had two of their three worst on the entire season. Doesn't seem like a coincidence. Do you, at this point, do you downgrade the Lakers or are you like the betting market saying, no problem, wait till the games count? I can't downgrade or upgrade anybody because I don't know what is, is happening in the bubble because we've never seen it before. I don't know if teams are legitimately just waiting this out and playing patiently and not motivated until the postseason, or maybe they're just having a more difficult time to adjust. We see these other teams like Miami and Houston that, that have looked really good at times, uh, the Toronto Raptors that have looked really good at times. Does that mean that they're better built for the bubble? I don't have the answer, which is what's going to make this postseason that much more interesting. I agree. I think there's more uncertainty this year than we've ever had. We've seen the variance. I mean, think about the Lakers. It's one thing to lose as a almost six-point favor, but to lose by 19. Yeah. You got a Milwaukee Bucks team that had, as we said, the worst loss since at least 1995 in the NBA. 19-point favorite lose outright. By the way, the NBA said, you know, Nets. That's not good enough. They fined him 25000 for not reporting the injuries that were associated with that big upset. So, literally, the Nets play so hard with their backups. They have the biggest upset in a quarter century. And they figure, okay, 25 is an interesting number, Nets. We're going to fine you 25000 for what you did. So, does that mean the NBA was trying to get back a little of the money they lost on betting on Milwaukee? I, I don't think so, but I can tell you something. It seems like it, if you want, you know how they say with pets or kids, you got to punish them at the right time so they know <laughs> right. what's being affirmed right. and what's being rejected. Apparently, winning as a 25 or winning the biggest upset in a quarter century is a negative for the NBA. <laughs> but somehow, LeBron sitting out tonight is just fine. I got to ask us this question. Well, first, let's do this. I, I got a theory on LeBron tonight, but let me say this. I think there's one part of the Lakers you can't explain away. A big chunk of this underperformance, you can say, okay, they aren't trying. It's this, it's that, whatever, right? A lot of excuses. Maybe most of them are legitimate because I don't think the Lakers all of a sudden got bad. But shooting percentage on open shots, it's one thing if you're not getting open looks because you're not playing hard. If you look at the Lakers shooting percentage when they have open looks, it's been horrendous. Like as bad as any, worse than anyone in the bubble, as bad as they've been this year. What does that mean? Does it mean the bubble itself? 
is a problem for the Lakers because if you say we have 60 some game or what, what, what were there? Uh, yeah, 62, 63 games, right? Before the bubble, and the Lakers have a certain standard. Now they show up and play four games. Their effort level has been hit or miss, but even the factor that doesn't get affected by effort, which is open looks, you know, once you have it, do you make it? Is horrible. We could just shrug and say it's random, or we could say there's something about this bubble. If it's the shooting sight lines, if it's the fact LeBron's talking about missing his mom so much and how much he misses his family, and this thing just started, right? If he wins the NBA title, it's going to be so much longer than this. I think the biggest problem might be I don't know what's causing the shooting woes. But something seems to be, and I'm not sure if that's going to change when the effort improves. I thought about the sight lines as well, too. You've seen that happen in the NCAA tournament to where teams will get into the Final Four and they're playing in these big arenas, and all of a sudden the shooting percentages go down. You remember UConn and Butler several years ago in the final, I think they shot 10%. Or something like that. It was awful because they were playing in a dome and the sight lines threw them off and it was a terrible shooting performance. The other aspect and something that's been an issue for the Lakers and it's one of the things that is carrying over, but it's a problem. Their free throw shooting. Their free throw shooting was bad before the pandemic broke out and it's been bad since they've gotten in the bubble. It was bad last night. And if it comes down to it and it's a game in which fouls are being called, you would think they would be at a disadvantage late because they can't hit their foul shots. And AD, who tends to get to the foul line for whatever reason in the fourth quarter, he doesn't seem to be as aggressive. His points certainly aren't there in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's weird. They're, they're, it, it's a, such a weird end of a season to postseason. So, to me, the main takeaways here, LeBron decides not to play. Line only moves four points, usually moves six. Sign the market is saying LeBron's not playing as hard as we expect, typically. Number two, whatever excuses you make, Lakers missing open shots, that feels like it could be about something else. You can't explain it away. And if so, we got to figure out what it is because it's obviously hurting the Lakers. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It was the New Orleans Pelicans earlier today from the bubble against the Sacramento Kings, giving up 140 points earlier, a 140-125 loss from Orlando. So, to me, all this Zion talk, and I think that the potential is there for sure. Um, The performance is there for sure on offense. But if you look at some of these, again, efficiency numbers – when he's on the floor defensively, it's about as bad as any team in the NBA at, with any lineup. And, 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 he's, and it's, it's one of those things to where you see him out there and you're not really sure if it's just that he's fatigued or if he doesn't know what his assignments are. It's very strange. Well, does it seem like his defense is good early in games and gets worse? Uh, no, I, I just think it's sometimes he's looking around, trying to figure it. Like, he's a great help defender, but maybe when he gets to the NBA, that was one of the things in, at college with Duke. You would always see him, you know, come over on, on the help side or the weak side and then end up with a big-time block that would be a highlight reel block or a defensive play. But in the NBA, it's almost like he's still trying to figure out what his responsibilities are to where he can really only rely on him to get points and, and most notably get points down low. So, but why would he be any worse on defense than any other rookie? 
I mean, if the assumption is that it's inexperienced, then he should be in line with other rookies. In fact, being an elite athlete, he should be at least average, if not better, right? Yeah, it's, it's, he's, a, he's an interesting case study because now you're seeing more and more reports. Like there was a trainer that came out, I forget the guy's name, but I saw this report, who said that Zion is, quote, in a race against his own body. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't saying, know. What, saying the way he plays is not sustainable over yeah, 15 years. With, with that weight. And, and Chris Broussard on this network has talked yeah. about, you know, he's got to lose 25, 30 pounds. That's a lot of weight. I think he's, didn't he lose. say 40, I heard? It was something like that. Like, that's I mean, a it was lot a big number. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, listen, today he scored 20 points in 22 minutes. That's outstanding. Yeah. But when he was on the court, his plus minus, minus 10. Two rebounds. Two rebounds in that time. I mean, he's not rebounding. He's not playing defense. He scores, but it feels like even when he scores, the offense, I don't know if it's bogging down. Like he's, it's like, Daddy's here. Let's get him the ball or what. But I tell you this if you could just say, Bookie, put a line out what is Zion's plus minus is going to be. I mean, it, it, I mean, just in the bubble. Mackenzie, why don't you just get it for the bubble games? I mean, it, it, this whole year it's been disappointing, though. I wonder if you go back and look, how much do they actually run the offense through them? I'd be fascinated to go back and see it, this season, not just in the bubble, how many plays are ran through Zion, or is he just open and they give him the ball and then he makes a play at the rim? His athleticism would lend itself to be like what Westbrook has been doing with the Rockets. It feels like Zion could be a guy, especially with the sp- the offense is so spread out with spacing, that when that ball ricochets, his ability to jump so quickly, you think he'd be a monster inside on those yeah. rebounds. Yeah. But but not at all, not at all. Um, well, let's do this. Oh, okay, we got it. Zion through four games, when he's been on the court. The Pelicans have been outscored by 35 points. Wow. Four games, 35 points when he's on the court. Minus, as Chevy Chase said in Caddyshack, not good. That's not good. (laughs) Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. RJ, we continue our countdown 32 all the way to 1 NFL teams as ranked by Straight Out of Vegas. And we are on team number 24, and that team is the Houston Texans. Yes, yeah, Steve Fezzik's power ratings, in my opinion, the best in the NFL. The only two time Super Contest champion. Got a best bet coming up, going for number 12 in a row. I'm shocked at the win total. First, one of all the win totals in which I'm saying, huh, Houston, supposed to be a losing team with Watson? I don't get it. But here's a weakness for sure, wide receivers. Now, it's easy to look at that sore thumb of or the sore spot of trading away one of the best receivers in the NFL and seemingly not getting very much back. If anything, a running back that... Best days are behind him, I think it's fair to say, who's expensive. So I'm not sure of the sense it made. But Brandon Cook's concussion issues, that's an understatement. Concussion issues. The rumors are that literally one more concussion, he might have to retire. I mean, at a certain point, these guys, you know, and you got to feel bad for them, but it just is what it is. 
And then you've got Will Fuller, and he's played 41 of 64 games in four years. So various injuries, he's missed 23, about a third of the games, more than a third, he missed. So you got a fragile Brandon Cooks, you got Will Fuller, who misses more than a third of the games. If one of those guys is out, and they have one serviceable receiver, and then nothing. I think that is the trick with this Texans team. They got both receivers. I think they're going to be a nine-kind-of-win team. But the games that they have, either just one of these guys, if one's out, Jonas, I think that it's going to be lockdown time. Because against NFL defenses, if you just got one viable playmaker on the outside, double team, whatever they do, they shut that guy down. And if there's no one else, I don't know if Watson, I don't, I don't think he can do it without any playmakers. I think that's the weakness on the Texans. What do you think? Yeah, at first glance, when you say seven and a half wins, I immediately think the over because I just I look at it and go, if you've got a top tier quarterback in the NFL and you've got a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, you're going to go 500. But, I mean, again, 500 is right on the borderline of uh, an injury here or a missed assignment here, and next thing you know, they're below 500, and they are that 7-9 and nine team, and you lose your bet. I think it's a race for second place. I like Indianapolis in that division. I think Indianapolis is a dark horse contender in the big, AFC. Big question marks, though, because yeah. if, the quarter, I mean, if the quarterback turns it around, you're right. Super Bowl contender, effectively. Yeah. But if not, what are they? Yeah, and so Houston's Houston's interesting, I, and, and it's going to be a lot on Deshaun Watson, and if he hasn't gotten his contract by the time the season starts, then he's going to earn it this year for sure. All right, so here comes the best bet, but let's just compare Watson to Aaron Rodgers. So first year he was a starter, Aaron Rodgers had a win total of 8.5. Every year since, he's it's been 9 or higher. So Aaron Rodgers, when he was un. Uh, proven it was eight and a half and nine or higher since. I mean, you will not. That's an interesting question. We've had teams really have bad years, but when has a top quarterback like this ever had a win total entering the season as a losing team? I'm not sure. Here's Steve Fezzik. He's got a prop best bet on one of these receivers we've been talking about. Watson over 4,050 pass yards with Houston projected to be below 500 this year. Their season win number seven and a half. I expect Watson, regardless of who he's going to have to throw the ball to, this is just usage that than he ever Except had to it, before. Part of our big handicap here is he's going to be almost hamstrung. If somehow they are winning, you don't like this bet as much. What's I, the scenario that you like this if Houston goes over? I don't like it if Houston goes okay, over. Okay, so it feels like the over is saying that the team's going to go under yes. in win total. Is there a time the team goes over, the Watson goes over? Because then you got the right bet there. Houston could win eight or nine games, and I would still like Watson over, because that's still less wins than they got last and year. And the current win wins. total is? Seven and a half. So you're saying success that gets you over still isn't enough success to invalidate why you like the over in passing yards. Correct. Alright, so his pick here Brandon Cooks, he has under 850 and a half, 850 and a half passing yards, or in this case, receiving yards. To me, Jonas, the reason I like this, it's the injury situation. I think this line is probably right if he plays, let's say, 15 games, like a, a good 15 games. And if he doesn't, it could be a sure winner. Right? If he's out four or five games, it's almost impossible for him to go over Brandon Cooks, 850 
receiving yards. So it's kind of like you might remember one of my favorite bets I ever made on air was the Eli Manning situation where I didn't think he was going to play much of the year <laughs> last year. And his, his uh, quarterback touchdown throws was like 19. And he had had 19 when he played the whole season the year before. <laughs> right? So the Fez is on it here. And what we were debating, and it's interesting, is the idea of if Houston is behind, right? If Houston's behind or having a bad year, Watson probably throws for more yards, right? Because by throwing for more yards, it's a situation where when you're behind, quarterbacks throw more. So in general, if you're pessimistic about Houston, you kind of think that Watson's going to throw for more, regardless, under Brandon Cooks from Fez. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.